Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Torpid Liver and Other Symptoms of Poor Communication. Today I want to talk about something that's been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, And hopefully some of the stories I'm going to share with you will help you if you're in a position to lead employees as well. Now, earlier this year, um, I had a podcast featuring a colleague who lives in Iceland, and we were talking about communication leadership and the opportunities that we have right now to really cement those positions of leadership, especially given all the good work that so many of us did during the pandemic to demonstrate what great strategic communication can really do for an organization. Today, I wanna talk about a different aspect of communication leadership, and that is much more personal. So when you have the opportunity to lead, how you communicate with your team members can make a huge difference in the direction of your team, whether you achieve goals, um, whether you really improve and or cement your emotional intelligence with the people with whom you work, or um, whether you become that bad boss that all of us had had have had at one time or another in our lives. So. Uh, let's get into the topic. Uh, I am going to share a few stories with you. They are not in a particular sequence, so this is a little bit off the top of my head. Hope you'll bear with me on that, but I think there's a couple good lessons in these stories, so let's get started. Okay, first story. Um, This is about a young woman I worked with, gosh, more than 20 years ago, which is really hard to believe, but time, time flies. Um, What I learned in working with this person and and through this story that I'm about to share with you is that people in the workplace or your clients or whomever can put up walls quickly when you are trying to work with them uh, and trying to accomplish things. And typically that happens because they've been hurt before. Um, They have been disrespected they have felt devalued or not valued at all, not recognized. Um, they've been dumped on, um, whole, whole number of things. Um, and sometimes if that pattern of behavior continues or if they allow it to continue, then when they work with somebody who is supportive or wants the best for them or wants to help them succeed, it, it's out of habit. They'll immediately put up that wall and find reasons to not Uh, get the job done or to not succeed or to find reasons to fail or find reasons to delay. Um, And and I'm sure you've all had circumstances like that in your own careers. Here's the interesting part about this particular story. Uh, In this particular instance, we were working in HR communications for a major company. And it was a Friday and This person had not been working with me all that long, but I do know that the boss she had before was really an awful person because I had worked with that person and this person was just awful and and eventually left the company, I think not on her own terms, but that's another story. Um, So we received, this is when we did a lot of online publications when it was still a new thing to do online publications and these were legal HR documents. Um, and we had to be really particular about how we did them online and how we checked all the changes. And it was more complicated than it is today because at that time, doing online publications was a much newer thing. Um, so we received these changes very last minute on a Friday morning. And 
we were asked to turn the communication and the changes around within the same day. Um, and that meant really most of the work fell to my teammate to do this. Now, what I didn't know when this day started is that it was her child's birthday and she was planning a birthday party with mostly family and some friends for Friday night for her child. And so she was going to leave work right at five o'clock, get home, do whatever needed to be done. And I guess they were having a cookout or something, you know, as part of the birthday party. So she ordered, had it in her head that nothing is going to mess up my day. I am leaving at five o'clock, no matter what, nobody's going to bring anything to me at the last minute. That's how this day is going to go. And of course we get to the office that morning and this project comes up. So she immediately put up walls and she literally got so flustered she couldn't speak. She was angry, she's red in the face, she's talking faster than I do. She's just, you can tell she's in a tizzy. And, and I had seen the same email and saw that this had come in. And she didn't tell me at first why she was upset. Why she was upset was because she'd already made up her mind that nothing was gonna get in the way of her leaving at five o'clock. So, and she assumed that this work could not be done in the time frame, and she'd already decided it couldn't be done. So I could have gotten mad because she was really, she just lost it, like was just, just in my office having a fit. I could have lost it. I could have said, too bad, so sad. This is the nature of our job. Deal with it. But I didn't. And I said, okay, what's really going on? And that's when she told me about her plans for this, this evening, that evening. I said, okay, fine. Here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> I said, I want you to go back to your desk. I want you to start on this work. Anything that you had planned on working on to today can wait. So make this the priority because we really do need to get this done for not only our HR customer internally, but for our legal group as well so that they can review it and then we can make this publication live next week. Um, I said, now take your time, do the work calmly do not rush. We want to get this right. When lunchtime comes, I don't want you to rush. I want you to leave your work area. I want you to you know, go outside. It's a nice day or go to the cafeteria, do whatever you want to do, but leave the premises, get out of here and take a full hour for lunch. I don't care where you are on this project, do whatever you have to do. Then I said, not at five o'clock, but at four o'clock, I want you to end your work day. I want you to keep working on this calmly. Wherever you are at four o'clock, I want you to stop working and then leave so that you can get an extra hour head start on your festivities tonight. And she looked at me like, what? You know, and I said, I will do the rest of the work. I don't have any kids. I don't have anything I have to do tonight. I will stay here and finish this. Just take your time, calm down, and you leave at four o'clock no matter what. Okay? Okay. Well, you can guess what happened. She calmed down. She seemed utterly surprised that I would propose such a solution. And guess what? She actually finished the work at about two in the afternoon and did a great job. And we got it turned back around to our customers. And she even had a couple of hours to spare to work on the things she was gonna work on on that day. And I still said, go home at four o'clock and have a nice weekend. Now, what that did was a couple things. It made her stop and think about okay, why did you automatically assume you couldn't get it done, right? Because she'd already decided how the day was going to go, right? Uh, and that there was nothing that could divert from that. Second, I don't know that she'd ever had a boss who was supportive and said, 
I'll finish it. You just do as the best job you can and then I'll take care of it from here. So that took the pressure off of her. And I was like, get it right, do it well. We don't want a bunch of redos, whatever. Um, it changed everything. <clears throat> so that in the future, when we had last minute requests, she was more likely to not put up the walls, not to be upset, and to know that she could lean on me and ask me for advice and help. And I could also help clear the path for her if there were other projects that she needed to put on hold in order to get this one done. Um, it changed everything. It really cemented our relationship and we had a lot more trust with each other. Very good working relationship that lasted a couple years until we went on and each did different things. Um, <clears throat> but that's an example of how you communicate with an employee to break down the wall to be calm, and I, granted, anybody who knows me knows I'm manic, I am not a calm person, but there are times when I need to do that and clear the path and just focus on what do we need to do right now? And when you can do that for your team members in a calm manner, that makes all the difference. And that's, that was a, a lesson for me too about how to handle these situations and to keep an employee calm and focused on the task at hand and also let them know that you know, I trust you, you trust me, let's do this together. And in the end, I didn't have to do anything. She got it done in record time and did a great job. So there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that about how you break down those walls. I think that's a particularly good example. And maybe there's something you can take away from that to use in your own situations when you manage people. Okay, let's talk about another example. This next story is an interesting one because it, it plays off the theme of the first story, which is the reasons why people build up walls and either decide that they're not going to do what you'd like them to do or decide that something can't be done or find reasons to delay. The behavior that I find interesting is that when people work in small groups, um, if they've had not identical, but similar enough experiences, they will sort of play off each other and build a much higher wall. Like their wall might be high, but boy, they can build up a big, big, big wall, bigger than a mountain, right? If they poke at each other and go, yeah, what about this? And remember this, and remember this time, and make things much bigger than they actually are. Um, and that's, that's at least part of what happened uh, in this story. So, um, a while back, I took over leadership of a team, a, a fairly good-sized team. And when that happened, I interviewed everybody individually to really see where they were at. Um, and I knew they had been through change recently with uh, former leaders leaving the organization. And while some of them, I think, were happy about those changes, there was still the, the weirdness of change and concern and you know where's our organization headed and can this robin person <laughs> help us does she even understand us there were all the things going on but i met with everybody individually and one person in particular um, showed a lot of enthusiasm and uh, a, a desire to improve and to grow and to perhaps take on a leadership role within my team. And, and so I said, okay, let's, let's shoot for that. And I said, 
what are you afraid of or why hasn't it happened so far? Because you've been here a lot longer than I have. And what I learned was that this several people in this organization previously felt like they'd been held under a thumb and that there was a pecking order and there was not <clears throat> promotion based on true merit, um, but it was based on friendships and, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, stuff that, that shouldn't happen, but we know it happens in organizations all the time. Uh, so I said, okay, so let's make a list. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of about being a leader? And we went through that and I said, and what do you feel like you, you're not afraid of, but you need to build up some competence in? And this person, you know, laid that all out and I said, okay, I'm going to help you with all this. I'm good at overcoming fear. That's been a theme in my life throughout my life and I can help other people too. So let's, let's find opportunities for you to overcome these fears. And sometimes that's practice. Sometimes it's kind of throwing yourself into the fire uh, and making yourself do it, but we're going to get there. And these other things, this is just practice. These things that you feel like you're a little shaky on, we can, we can get you there. And then when there is an opportunity in the future, I'm going to encourage you to apply for something if you don't do it, you know, on your own. And that's exactly what happened. This person was uh, unfailingly optimistic through lots of change, did everything that you could ask, uh, and put himself, herself in a position to lead. And so through um, another departure in my organization, I had an opening and I encouraged this person to apply, but I encouraged everybody in my group to apply if they felt like they were qualified and it was something they wanted to do. Um, but he was the only person from my group who actually applied. And I interviewed some other people, including external candidates, but in the end, I really did think this was the right move. So, uh, so I promoted this person. Then <laughs> I, I uh, did what I usually do, which is I want to let his new direct reports know that this is, you know, what's happening. And so I had that meeting and um, it did not go the way <laughs> that I thought it would go. Um, I was met with some really significant resistance and the worst part was that some of the behavior during that meeting I felt was exceptionally disrespectful to this person who was being promoted. So I tried to put the best face on it and ended the meeting and then had a separate meeting with these people who had put up resistance. And I was like, what's going on here? Well, there were a couple things that were going on and then we got to the deeper, the deep, the root of, of the problem. Uh, and it, it wasn't a problem per se, but, but it was in their minds and I understand. So, and I recognize that. What happened was this person who'd been promoted was a peer of theirs for a very long time. And they, I think they all kind of felt like they were under this thumb but he was the one who expressed that he wanted the opportunities and worked toward them. Other people did not. Um, they did not want to manage people by their own mission. They didn't want to take on additional responsibility because of the burden or the stress or the perceived whatever that they thought came with that. So that's fine. People can excel in their roles their entire careers and never be in a leadership role. And that's okay too. It depends on what you want to do with your life. But I pointed that out and said, but we've had these conversations and you didn't want this for yourself, but that doesn't mean somebody else that was your peer before shouldn't have that opportunity. And this person worked for it. And that broke down some of the walls because if you've done things for the right reasons, somebody is qualified, makes the effort and wants it and takes advantage of it, 
then you've put all the ducks in a row and you've done everything you could to do right by everyone. And so they still may not like the change just because change is hard for everybody. I know it's hard for me, but they can't argue with it either. So that, that kind of ends that conversation. And then it becomes a matter of these people having to sort it out for themselves. But because we had an intelligent, calm conversation about it, that helped break down a wall and they stopped kind of feeding off of each other, you know, being surprised by this change. So much so that one of the persons came to my office later and said, hey, here's, here's why I'm upset. And it was that whole, we've been under somebody's thumb. And they felt like they had been under somebody's thumb and disrespected for a very long time. Then when that person left, another manager took over who was much more gracious and inclusive and, and made them feel valued, which is what I would hope would happen. But that person left to explore an opportunity outside the company, which happens all the time. So then this team temporarily reported to me. And I try to model the same behavior because I, I do value everybody and I value the skills and the experience they bring to their roles um, and you know feel like they're an integral part of the team. So when this change happened, it was like, oh, here's another change and maybe this person's gonna put us under their thumb. And so I said, well, has it been like that since I've been in this role, since I've been leading this whole group? No, okay, so what makes you think it's going to change? I will not tolerate that. I expect managers to treat everyone with dignity and give everyone the same opportunities if they want them, but they have to work for them. And I said, so you're going to need to give this a fair shot. Assume positive intent. <laughs> and then, you know, if things aren't working out or you're having problems, then you need to let me know because I can coach this person. But you have to give it a shot. And she agreed. And I have to say that things have gone really well. So they have bonded as a team. They work, all work together exceptionally well with their new manager. When there are problems or disagreements or the team feels like they're being micromanaged, they will have a conversation with their manager about it. And I have to say, I did this too. After getting all this feedback, I talked to the new manager and said, here's the scoop. And I said, these people know their jobs really well and they're good at it. And they felt like they were micromanaged previously when they didn't need to be. Before, before I was part of the organization. So you need to let them do their jobs. Don't micromanage. Uh, learn from them because you need to learn what they do uh, so that you can support them. But I said, you just, let, just don't get in their way. You need to focus on the other reasons I promoted you, which is we need to move some things forward strategically that we don't have now. And it's not that they're not equipped to do it, but they have expressly said, this is not something I want to do. So that's why, you're, that's why you got promoted. Um, and that's what happened. And it's worked really well. So I think this is another good example of where people put up walls for a lot of reasons uh, because something surprises them or they thought things were never going to change and therefore we're going to keep this repeating pattern in our heads and in how we operate. And, um, and when they feel like they need that reinforcement, they'll go look for other team members who may feel similarly or have had similar poor experiences and they'll use that to reinforce their own position, which may or may not be based in fact. Uh, oftentimes it is. There's often some truth to what they're describing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes people can't see beyond you know, their corner or their little piece of your group, um, your world. And that's what your job is as somebody in a leadership role, is to communicate effectively what is possible and that things can be okay 
but to also leave the door open and say, but if it doesn't, you know, we're, we're, we're talking here face to face with a level of trust between us. And if you don't, if you give this a fair shot and it's still not working, then yes, then you need to let me know. And I will do my part as a leader to help make this right. Um, and what that does is it, it breaks down the wall. It stops people sort of feeding off of each other and, and opens the door to the possibility that there's a better way to do things and that the change is not always bad. Sometimes it's positive change um, and it's change that can be constructive and that you know people can learn from people who were their peers before and vice versa, that the leader can learn as much from the team members. I know I learn a lot from my team every single day. Um, and I value that um, because I can't be good at everything. And so they need to be good at things and I need to be good at good, what I'm good at. And then we work together well. So um, another interesting story that has stuck with me uh, and I learned a lot through that experience. And I hope maybe you have learned something uh, through me telling you the story. So uh, one more thing I wanna share with you. So let's get to that next. One more story slash bit of advice that I will share uh, based on my own experiences over the past 30 some years of being in the communication profession. You know, <laughs> this, this for me goes back, at least in my life, goes back to like junior high school and high school. This is the first time that I remember thinking this. And over time, it has, it has rung true for me and, and it might for you as well. When you are promoted to a leadership role, or when you receive a major honor, an award, um, when, you know, when you're a kid and you become, you know, president of your student council, depending on where and how you went to school, or you become a cheerleader, or you're a sports leader, you know, you're the captain of the team, you're whatever it might be. Um, as humans, we put meaning to those things, whatever our own experiences or beliefs are about those roles, those honors, those opportunities, those achievements. And sometimes they're not fair. They're often not fair. Um, the other thing we do is that we make assumptions about people because they've been put in a role. And our assumptions, when you think about it, are pretty whack. So how do I describe this? If, <clears throat> if you become a leader and you were promoted, the basis for that is what on what you have done thus far and the expectation by somebody higher than you in the hierarchy that you will be able to continue on that trajectory of improving and taking on more and leading and learning and growing and helping other people do the same. Um, you know, the, the promotion, the opportunity to be the head cheerleader, the whatever, um, it, it doesn't come with like, keys to the secret society, you know? It doesn't come with this whole mantle of knowledge that you suddenly gain overnight because this opportunity or this award or this honor came. You are the same person you were yesterday. It's just that you've demonstrated a level of competence and potential that, you know, by attaining that thing, you're sort of starting over. Um, you don't lose any of the knowledge and experience you gained before, People are putting their faith in you based on giving you that promotion, award, honor, that you will continue to do well. But it doesn't make you smarter overnight. 
it doesn't mean that you suddenly understand everything about the team that you just inherited or the people that you will now be working with or your peers, the other leaders that you're going to know and be able to work seamlessly and collaboratively with those people. It's just not how it works. But others will put that mantle on you and you may put it on yourself and that is a recipe for a lot of stress, potential failure, um, just putting so much on your back. When, when those opportunities come, you know, tell people that. Say, I don't know why you're suddenly sending me 50 emails about this thing that I didn't know anything about yesterday. And by the way, didn't even know I was going to be in this situation until today. Didn't know this was going to happen. So I'm going to have to learn from you. I can't support you as your leader, your manager, your mentor, whatever, without learning more about what you do and understanding the great value that you bring to this organization because, hey, I'm not good at everything. I'm good at some things. I'm good at leading. I'm good at supporting others. Uh, I'm good at finding solutions. I'm good at being creative. Whatever it is you're good at, right? But you don't know everything, and that's why you have smart team members in place. But those team members might put expectations on you that are absolutely unrealistic. So you need to cut yourself some slack and be as authentic and humble as you possibly can be. Because when you come into that situation and you come in from a place of insecurity, it's going to come across that way. You will come across as inauthentic, um, maybe bossy, maybe even narcissistic, maybe all kinds of things. You may not come across as the authentic you that you are. Um, and that's a problem. That's not a good place to begin your next journey into leadership. So you need to communicate that you don't have all the answers, that you're going to learn, that you're going to lean on your team. And, you know, if you do that well, then they'll learn that they can lean on you too, that you have demonstrated that humility and that willingness to learn. And you have said explicitly, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to see what I can do to get there with you. And, you know, and follow through on your promises of what you intend to do. That gets you off on a good foot. Now, being the good humans that we are, you know, you've been in situations like this where people, somebody came across completely inauthentically. It was hollow. It was fake. It was, you know, and you know it because you can feel it in your gut. Our instincts, which we don't tap into often enough, and I've talked about this before, your instinct will tell you what's really going on. You can't help it. It's like... When you get a creepy feeling when you're in a dark alley, I don't know why you'd be in a dark alley. I don't go into dark alleys, but you know what I'm saying. If you find yourself in a weird situation and the hair stands up on the back of your neck or you get a bad feeling in your gut, well, you need to pay attention to that because most of the time you're right. And so when people come across as inauthentic or insecure and so they come across as like the know-it-all or that they're superior to you or whatever it might be, that's not a good place to be. And people don't grow trust from that place. In fact, that's where trust goes to die. <laughs> so remember that when you have the opportunity to lead, to communicate authentically what you don't know, to demonstrate that you are willing to learn, that you are willing to really listen and understand what's going on with people and why they're putting up those walls, um, that's going to make all the difference for you and for your organization. 
and you will climb much higher mountains than any wall that anybody can put up if you come from that place of sincerity. Now, the <laughs> this is this is it's not even another story, but it's just another thing that popped into my head. Sometimes the simple act of asking why is very powerful. It's like when we communicate, we say you want to communicate the why behind a change. We talk about that a lot um, because that helps make, make things real for people and helps them understand why an organization is going through a change. When you are leading and you see that maybe some things are not going as they should or you've been put in a position to try to improve something, you can ask people without threatening, like, why, why do you do it that way? Why, why do we communicate that way? Why do we... Um, why do we build our intranet that way? Why do we do things this way? And, and you don't come from a, a nasty accusatory tone. It's like, why? I just want to understand. Help me understand why you do that. What you'll often find is people respond with the, well, it's the way we've always done it. Or sometimes they've been in a rut for so long, they don't even have an answer for you. Um, it's just like, well, I thought, that's, I thought that's how we were supposed to do it. I'm like, based on what? And when you say that in a non-threatening, sort of a humorous way, like, based on what? Tell me what's going on. Then they realize, oh, my God, it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy and the Ruby Slippers. It's like you had the power all along to make this better. It's just nobody pointed it out to you. And you've been in this rut for so long, team, that you couldn't see that there was another path, a better path. So sometimes as a communication leader, it helps to ask that, why is it done this way? And maybe there's a valid reason, but many times there's no valid reason at all. And then you can start the path toward, look, if we can stop some of this drivel that you all have worked on for so long because you just thought that's the way it was supposed to be or somebody told you that or nobody even knows <laughs> know how it got started, you can clear all that away and then say, now what should it be? What can we do to advance the organization? What can we do to really improve things in a meaningful way that we will feel good about as employees? But you can communicate that way and break down the walls from that perspective. Now you're on the path toward really making some significant improvements that will be measurable and valuable to the bottom line of your business. So I'll leave it at that for now. I hope I've given you some great things to think about. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Um, one other thing before we go, if you go to my website with the very clever and aligned name of torpidliver.com, what a surprise. Um, that's where I keep links to previous episodes, but eventually there will be a book. Um, and so I've gone ahead and reserved the site now. But if you go to the site, lower right-hand corner, there's a uh, chat feature, or you'll see the little uh, quotation emblem. Click on that. You can submit questions or you can submit a potential topic. And so feel free to do that because I'm pretty responsive and I might feature your topic suggestion in a future episode. So take advantage of that. Um, I also want to give a plug for the next episode that will feature someone very near and dear to my heart, which will make sense to you when you listen to the episode. Um, we're going to be talking about consumer insights, uh, consumer insights and research and brand strategy and um, the critical role of clear communication in that process. So I think it's going to be a fascinating episode. And again, um, it's completely biased on my part in selecting this guest, but um, he knows his stuff. I'll just leave it at that. So uh, until the next episode, uh, please stay safe, uh, take care of each other, and be well. Music
thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And one other thing before we go, if you go to my website with the very clever and aligned name of torpidliver.com, what a surprise. Um, That's where I keep links to previous episodes, but eventually there will be a book. um, And so I've gone ahead and reserved the site now. But if you go to the site, lower right-hand corner, there's a uh, chat feature, or you'll see the little uh, quotation emblem. Click on that. You can submit questions or you can submit a potential topic. And so feel free to do that because I'm pretty responsive and I might feature your topic suggestion in a future episode. So take advantage of that. Um, I also want to give a plug for the next episode that will feature someone very near and dear to my heart, which will make sense to you when you listen to the episode. Um, We're going to be talking about consumer insights, uh, consumer insights and research and brand strategy and um, the critical role of clear communication in that process. So I think it's going to be a fascinating episode. And again, um, it's completely biased on my part in selecting this guest, but um, he knows his stuff. I'll just leave it at that. So uh, until the next episode, uh, please stay safe, uh, take care of each other, and be well.